Okay, lads, welcome uh, to everyone. This is the uh, December edition of Fever From Fever Pitch to Horror on the Ditch on Scarif Bay Community Radio. We have a busy show tonight with a preview of the Premier League fixtures, a review, obviously, of the Champions League uh, fixtures during the week, and uh, we are going to firstly introduce you to our, uh, our, our my, my three other uh, uh, members on, on the panel this evening. So the first, obviously, is uh, my fellow friend, my friend and uh, <laughs> neighbour, Mr Terry Hogan. So introduce him, Terry. Hello there. Here, here we are in Scarif. It's fairly nippy, but uh, I believe it's even worse up, up there in uh, Newcastle, and we're probably here from uh, our Newcastle correspondent in a couple of seconds. So, Des, you might, uh, please introduce yourself and tell us about the weather in Newcastle. Hi, my name's Des. Yeah, I live up in Newcastle. It's minus two, and we've got two inches of snow. So we'll need the under, underground heating on this weekend. Very good, very good. And James, how are things in Holland? Uh, in Amsterdam, everything's okay. Also minus two, but oh. uh, nice and warm inside. Speaking to you all with a nice cup of tea. Thanks, James. Thank you. Okay, lads, we've all been introduced. So look, before we go into the fixtures, we're going to have one little bit of uh, reflection on Terry Venable's L-Tel, the other L-Tel, uh, who passed away, an iconic figure in uh, English football, particularly from his time over the English national team and uh, obviously over Spurs. So maybe we'll get your thoughts. And Terry, I'll start with you. Yeah, I've got a, hand, a handle on this that is worth sharing. When I was a kid at school, um, I was more interested, like most of our hurlers, young hurlers here, in playing hurling rather than going to watch matches. Although I, d- I did go to the odd match. And uh, a friend of mine at school was a big Spurs fan and he said, oh, you, you, you're Arsenal just because you happen to live near Arsenal. So I said, oh, I don't mind uh, which team wins. He said, right, let's, let's go to watch Arsenal versus Spurs at the old Highbury Stadium. So off we went, uh, and I've looked up the date. It was 16th of September, 1967, so I've dated myself straight away. (laughs) And uh, it was Arsenal at home to Tottenham. And it was the reason why that was an important day was that uh, George Graham got married that day, the guy that uh, was sent, sent forward for Arsenal and then eventually became Arsenal manager. And his best man was Terry Venables. So that was all in the press, the whole thing, because, of course, George Graham had played before he joined Arsenal for uh, Chelsea and Aston Villa before oh, that. Yes. So anyway, I went to the match with my friend in, in, in the clock end and uh, uh, a Northern Ireland man scored the first goal, Terry Neal, from, from the penalty spot. George Graham scored and uh, Arsenal ran out of 4-0 winners. And from uh, then on, I was I was an Arsenal fan. But certainly, there's always been links between Arsenal and Terry Venables. In fact, at one point, I think before uh, George Graham's appointment, the, the board were thinking of getting in t- Terry Venables. So, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, even though he's not a, an Arsenal man, you won't hear a bad word uh, Arsenal s- said about Terry Venables. Oh, very good, very good. Now, James, what are your thoughts and reflections on El Tel? Well, my reflections, obviously, uh, listeners will will um, will know from my time living abroad. I've lived abroad for 18 years of my life now, and I think one of the biggest achievements Terry Venables uh, um, achieved in his career was to win uh, um, Barcelona their first La Liga title in 11 seasons, and become you know penalty kicks away from winning the European Cup. You know, it could have been eulogised in the same way as. Um, a great Johan Cruyff, you know, they won it, uh, won it six years on in 92, but they came very, very close in uh, in 1986. And to win a, a Spanish league title as a uh, as a British manager doesn't happen to many managers. And I think it's uh, one of his most unique achievements. So when I think of Terry Venables, I shall think about his, uh, his success abroad, which... Um, Sounds so simple, but it really isn't. Yeah, very good. And Des, can you have your thoughts on Terry Venables, the player, or even the, the manager, I suppose, who's more known for? Well, he, he was a right character, wasn't he? Um, he bought Portsmouth for a pound. I remember living down there when he bought Portsmouth for a pound. That was probably the best bit of business he's ever done. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't say nothing bad about Terry Venables. He was a good manager. Yeah, um, a right character. Some people think he was a bit of a rogue, but I don't. I just think he was a just a football character, yeah. and you can talk about him fondly. Oh, Do you know good. what I mean? Yeah, very so, good. So yeah, 
So, so thanks. Uh, and actually, his, his last, um, one of his last clubs or his last professional fixtures actually were played in Ireland. He finished up his career with St. Pat's and in Chicago. So he has, he has an Irish connection, or maybe not as strong I've, as others. I've got a quick question I must ask Des. Des, listen, you're living up in Newcastle now, and you said you used to live, was it Portsmouth? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you always yeah. live in the extremities of, of, of um, <laughs> nations? Do you always go as far south and then as far north? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, I was I was actually brought up in a place called Fairham, which is in between Southampton and Portsmouth. Oh, but I used to work in Portsmouth, so go. I used to go past Ratton Park every week. Oh, you know what I mean? So it's yeah, I've been about a bit, Terry. You <laughs> have, and yeah. just as an Irish link, Owen Hand used to, Irishman used to used to play for for Portsmouth. Oh, I think he actually managed the Irish. Oh, he did, yeah, yeah. pre Jack Charlton. Uh, now. So, lads, we'll get into the fixtures. Now, the first big fixture, I think you'll all have a fair strong opinion on this, is Arsenal versus Wolves. This is, uh, are Arsenal the best team in Europe at the moment? Some people some people would tell you, not alone England. So, James, I think I'll start with you on this. What are your thoughts on Arsenal and Wolves this weekend? Well, first and foremost, I was there on Wednesday night. Yeah, and, uh, good man. And um, to be 5-0 up at home in any European competition, let alone the Champions League, was fantastic against a team who were unbeaten in eight games. And the, the rapid rise that that Lons have made from the second division of uh, French football to near enough securing Europa League um, knockout football is a massive uh, uh, compliment to what they've achieved. Um, I think that, um, that European endeavours will eventually catch up with Arsenal because when you, when you are out of the Champions League, uh, the longer you're out of it, the more difficult it is to acclimatise. And that people might think, oh, that's a bit strange having won, you know, um, four games out of five. But, you know, you can't wing it. And I think the energy levels might have been sapped. And um, given the good form that Wolves have been on recently and the results they've had, how unlucky they've been at times, my prediction for tomorrow is actually a 1-1 draw. Oh, right. Now, Des, what are your thoughts on Arsenal and the Wolves tomorrow at three? Um, well, we're playing really well, aren't we? Um but I don't think Wolves are going to be a walk in the park. We'll have to be on our game. Uh, but I I think if we can control the midfield like we have been doing all season, we should be able to overpower them. I think it's going to be 2-1 Arsenal. 2-1, very good. And Terry? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the last time I, I tipped Arsenal, I think Arsenal drew a last. I have to be careful, but... Uh, I I think it's going to be really tight and it's one of those games that could easily be a draw but it could easily be a very narrow win so I'm going to have to tip us for a narrow win of 2-1 yeah. Oh, very good. And I'll just go back to a point, and we look, we'll discuss Arsenal again when we're talking about Europe, but they are really putting a very good squad and team together, and it's very impressive, even in the context of not only the Premier League, but Europe. Lads, we're going to the next fixture we're going to look at, and look, I, I, I actually, is, Bri- is Brentford and Luton. And before we discuss this, obviously there's a big Irish interest here, Nathan Collins is playing for Brentford, and Shadozi Ogbini is the rising star of Irish football, he's playing for Luton. So, maybe, uh, Terry, I'll go to you on that one. Where's that? At home? Well, it's at home. Brentford. Brentford. Uh, so I think Brentford played very well against Arsenal, actually. Yeah. They parked the bus, as the phrase is, but they, they looked half decent and uh, gave Ray, uh, no, not Ray, or um, Ramsdale a few problems. So I can see Brentford squeezing it. I mean, Luton of. Um, I did meet a Luton supporter sporting the Luton kit in La Hench there during the summer and I had to congratulate him and he was walking on cloud nine, of course. But uh, I think they're going to do... I hate to put the old mockers on them, but I can't see Luton staying up. So I think that's definitely a Brentford win. Very good. Uh, Des, how do you think Brentford and Luton is going to go? Um... I have to agree with, Al, uh, with Terry, to be honest with you. Um, Luton are really trying, but I don't see them staying up. Um, I think Brentford will win that one. Very good. And James, just to get your thoughts on Brentford and Luton. Um, I believe it will be a 2-2 draw. And uh, obviously, I respect Terry and Des's opinion, mm. as all football um, people that I speak to. But I, I actually think Luton will stay up. I think people being disingenuous, saying they're going to get relegated by Christmas and and pundits of standing, forgetting the weight of their words. Um, I will I will say one thing. There's a lot of similarities between Luton and Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest didn't kick on 
until the end of October last season, where they looked for all the world as if they were going to go down. And they actually started to turn at the end of October and they ended up staying up by beating Arsenal at home at the City Ground on the penultimate, um, on the penultimate season uh, season's ending. So I actually think that Luton uh, are, are going to stay up and um, I think the game against Brentford in London will be uh, a 2-2 draw. Yeah, and James, I think I have to agree with you this one. Now, the next, and you actually mentioned not Nottingham Forest there, so I think the next fixture we look at will be Nottingham Forest and Everton. And just before we are, before I get your opinion on this, has the 10-point deduction of Everton, have Everton been held out to dry in this one? Are they the whipping boys for bigger and, let's say, bolder uh, maybe fines for bigger clubs that we will be discussing later on? So, James, maybe I might go to you first on that. Well, I think first and foremost, the timing's been absolutely awful. We're in the middle of a competition, a very difficult competition. You know, yeah. some have more budgets than others, but I think the timing of the decision is, is nothing short of it, of, uh, of uh, scandalous, really. And then for people to talk about the biggest sanction in the Premier League, this, this competition has only been around for 31 years. Yeah. You know, most people are older than 31. Most people have longer memories than 31 years old. So it's as if they're trying to condition fans and I think the timing is awful. I think Everton will stay up, but it just opens a massive Pandora's box because the ramifications for teams that are going against the appeal, the teams that got relegated last season, Leicester, for example, you know, and it just opens a massive Pandora's box where, you know, rather than fighting it out on the pitch, it could be fought in the courtrooms and that's not good for professional football. I think Nottingham Forest with home advantage, I think they will get the win they need. But um, I think Forest, it's a long old season. They spent an awful lot of money last season as they did this season. And, um, you know, there's so many good players going like, out on loan to other clubs. And, uh, you know, this is human beings we're talking about that hope to make their way in professional football. But I think uh, I think a 1-0 win for Nottingham Forest uh, against Everton. Well, Terry, what do you think? How do you think that fixture is going well, to go? Well, you're, you're making me laugh because you remember last season, Forrest bought a whole rake of players and it there is. was a famous cartoon where they, they had a stretched um, coach bus just, just to include all the players. Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I have a soft spot for Everton. I met a guy on holiday once and he's a big Everton supporter and none of them are quibbling the fact that they, they, they were up to shen- shenanigans, but uh, which team wasn't, you know? And we haven't heard yet about Man City That's or cool. Chelsea. I really do worry, lads. I don't know what you guys think. There's Obviously, we've had corruption in, the, in a lot of the European leagues over the years, the Italian and the French. And I think Wenger complained that when, when he, he uh, fought for the French um, La Liga, uh, sorry, Ligue 1, uh, against Marseille, Marseille had all kinds of backhanders going on and referees getting backhanders. So I'm afraid it's crept into the English game. We've had English referees being taken out to Saudi and Qatar. And, of course, the Saudis and, and the Qataris are, are investing in Newcastle and all kinds of clubs. So, you know, somebody once said to me, where there's big money, there will be corruption and, and, and big corruption. So it's not looking good. VAR looks very iffy at times as well and, uh, and proven so. And I think we're going into a very dangerous sort of uh, field really now where you can't trust. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm used to a team scoring a goal and maybe 19, maybe 49 times out of 50, it's not disallowed. Now you cheer and then you, the, the whole stadium stops for five minutes to see if you can keep cheering. It's not football. It's not good. And... Um, Tim's a physicist. I mean, how how small are you? Are you going to quantum now? Is it? Is, are we going to? Well, they can measure time <laughs> by ten to the minus eighteen. Just if you want to, it, there was a Nobel Prize given out for it last year. But uh, moving on to Des, I think we won't. We'll keep. We'll keep it on football. Uh, so Des, how do you think Nottingham Forest versus Everton's going to go? Well, to to answer your original point to James about the. Everton being the whipping boys. Yeah. I think we have to see what happens with Man City and Chelsea to decide that one. Um, do, uh, do you know what? Any team can beat any... This season, this league, anybody can beat anybody. Yeah. It's that open. Um, but I think Forrest... 
I think I think Everton might be too strong for Forest. Plus, they're going to want to drag those ten points back, aren't they? Yes. But the, is it a Wony who plays for Forest? He's a player. He's got some speed on him. Yeah. Um, is it a bit? Of, it'll be a battle of the low blocks. Yes. Um, so it's it's that one. I think could end a draw. Yeah. I possibly could end a draw. Yeah. But also, just with Tell saying about VAR, I have to speak about. The Newcastle match the other night, that was no way a penalty and VAR is corrupting the game. Yes. And if they bring in the new if they bring in the new things that they say they're gonna bring in, it's gonna be even worse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see you're right. Uh yeah. So well yeah, thanks to, uh, thanks just that. So I think we'll move on. Actually with this one other fixture, we'll we'll discuss obviously Newcastle Man United. That'll be the main part of the of the show. But just Burnley are playing Sheffield United. Now we want we just get people's quick predictions of this. But Burnley came up uh Vincent Company, he was the greatest manager, he was the next Pep Guardiola. Now they're struggling. How, do you think Pep do you think Vincent Company is gonna survive the season? James, I might start with you on that one. Well, I, I, when I think of Fingers and Company, I think about he started his career at Anderlecht. Yeah. So you're starting your career at the biggest club in Belgium of your native country. And it didn't exactly go well for him. And if you can't get a tune out of Anderlecht yeah. with their resources and their youth policy, then that's not a good sign. And I reiterate once again, of all the professional teams in the world, not every single professional football team has the obligation and the talent to play exactly the same way. It's as if when you see a team not playing out from the back, people like turn their noses up and say, oh, they're not playing out from the back. Well, why should they? Mate, I'm also convinced that in the current day that if um, certain clubs had more forthright gumption to go route one and to go long ball, they might even get more success. But when you've got pundits eulogising this one way of playing football, you know, this is a professional game that's been around since the 1880s. We're now in 2023. Nobody's asking for the wheel to be invented. You know, but football moves on, football evolves. But I just feel that certain clubs and fans are being conditioned to only think in one way, and that's not good. And I think that, um, I think that Burnley... I think Sheffield United will surprise and I think they'll win at Turf Moor. And then I think it's a big question that Burnley have got to ask themselves because you have to, you know, this is a team that's used to playing um, Blackburn in the Cotton Mill derby, you know, and now they find themselves in the Premier League yo-yoing between the two. And they have to ask themselves, are they going to keep with company or are they going to give themselves a chance of, of staying up? Mm, very good. Uh, Des, how do, you, how do you think uh, Sheffield United and Burnley have got to work out? Well, it just shows that managing in the Championship to managing in the Premier League, is, there's a massive gap, or it's a lot harder, you know. Um, Burnley, I think, will just take that one, I think. Yeah, and Terry, you're on top. Yeah, well, I've seen Sheffield United play this season. I thought they were very poor. I think Burnley will squeeze it by, by a goal. But I would concur with what uh, James is saying there. This business of low block and... Uh, the teams camping outside the, the other team's area and then the team that's defending then tries to knock the long ball over the top. It's OK for five or six minutes, but when you're watching it for, for like 95 minutes, yeah. it gets very tedious. And, and I would concur with James that we need some modern coaches to think of different ways so that... Actually, just an interesting thing is Arsene Wenger is um, bringing, or hopefully, uh, we might be trialling uh, a new idea he had, or he has, that instead of you being offside the way the current rule goes, which is absolutely mad, he reckons that uh, if the attacker... Uh, uh, attackers only offside if there's clear space between him and the defender. So it's like clear blue blue water oh, in yeah. rowing terms, you know. So in other words, fortune favours the sort of attacker who sits on on the shoulder of the the defender. But it's ruining the game. It's ruining the spectacle. And I'm, because this is called. Uh, hurler on a ditch as well as um, fever pitch I will say that w apart from Hawkeye uh, in hurling even at top level we just re rely on the refs okay sometimes they get it right sometimes they get it wrong but at least the game is kept flowing yeah. and this business is stopping the game all the time for checking for this and that and it's got, taking 
a, technically what should be a great spectacle, and it's turning it into almost a mockery of itself, yeah. and, and that isn't good. And yes, we've got the sort of razzmatazz around it, and the newspapers are full of it, but I, I think that there's a whole issue there we need yeah. to look at. Okay, lads, I'm going to go on to the Sunday fixtures, and the first Sunday fixture, I think, is the surprise team of this season. Maybe not a surprise team to people that saw, saw him in Arsenal or saw him in Spain when he was managing, but Aston Villa versus Bournemouth, and obviously the Aston Villa manager is turning out to be a man that's really, really causing a storm in the Premier League. James, your thoughts on that fixture? Well, I think it just goes to show the power of the right man at the right club at the right time. You know, it's not a sweet science. It's it's anticipating something. All credit to Aston Villa. All credit to Unai Emery for accepting the challenge. Because some some people don't really understand the stature of Aston Villa. And I've followed Unai Emery since his time at Almeria, where he managed to get them promoted to La Liga for the first time in 24 years. Yeah. And he put the frighteners up the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona. And, um, you know, obviously Valencia, when they was in an awful, dire situation, he managed to, they were in the relegation zone and he, he took them to the Champions League. And, um, you know, at Arsenal, it's well documented. As an Arsenal fan of 35 years, I'd have him back tomorrow. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. You know, this is an Arsenal team that was so, fans were so proud when he, you know, he's from Andalibia in the Basque country. You know, we were all so proud when, you know, he did his first press conference in um, in English. You know, my manager, my guy, people used to say online. And then people would end up, after a winless game of seven games, uh, mocking his accent when oh. they have no command of any other foreign language. But they find it apparent to... Um, to mock somebody else, which I find is is highly I, embarrassing. I have to say, James, so that I, I, was a very shameful uh, episode yeah. in 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 the yeah. supporters. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I read recently. You might have seen this that we all knew he wanted to sign Wilfred Zaha from from Palace, who was blistering at the time. At the time, wonderful forward, and he he said actually he said I kept my eyes on the football and I should have looked at the politics going on around me. Uh, because um, Raul San um, uh insisted on Pepe uh, at a not was it ninety two million or something, and he, he wasn't yeah. worth a fraction of that. And uh, I'm afraid Raul beat a hasty re- retreat when I suspect he had his fingers in the till there. So I'm a real Emery fan. I think he's a a very very good manager, and I think if they'd have left him alone, yes, we we lost. Uh, the, uh, the the Europa Cup final, but that was with Eden Hazard playing an absolute blinder for uh, Chelsea, and we haven't heard of him since, no. you know. So um, that was so it's the only time he's, he's lost the final, he's lost the U- Europa final. <laughs> Other than that, he keeps winning. Yeah. So I think he's going to It's It's a Villa win at oh. the weekend. Oh, Des, what are your thoughts on, on the Villa Bournemouth fixture or, any, or indeed on Unai Emery? I, I rate Unai Emery. I think we let him go too soon, like the other lads have said, and he was badly treated, I think. Um, but he's now got a team that he seems to be comfortable with. They want to play for him. He's absolutely turned Aston Villa around. Um, Ollie Watkins is a new player. You know, um, to be honest, I think they're going to just totally outplay Bournemouth. I, Bournemouth could have a week off if they wanted to, do you know what I mean, if they were, if they were allowed to. Um no disrespect to Bournemouth because they're a good little team, but Aston Villa are too strong for them. Could be three nil, and if it gets to three nil, the floodgates could open. But yeah. could be three nil, Tim. Very good, thanks. Now, lads, this next fixture is a big fixture, a big fixture uh, in the Premier League, but also a fixture that Irish people have given eyes on. Our new star, presently ranked at uh, worth a hundred million, Evan Ferguson, a star of County Meath. I think it's Bettystown and Meath is where he's from. So, lads, how do you think Chelsea and Brighton is going to go, Terry? Well, listen, Tim, I know you said to me that you saw Evan Ferguson playing for both Bohemians when he was 14 or 15. I'm going to ask you next time you spot a lad like that, ride it into Arsenal straight away. Because some scouts, we must have <laughs> scouts, we must have scouts here in in Ireland, but they they completely missed that. I mean, the the guy looks like a big burly centre forward. Okay, he's had a, a little bit of injury trouble recently, but that's going to happen with big guys. 
But I think he's he's a star in in the making. So yeah, I can see him even scoring. Very good. And James, how do you think Bright- Brighton and Chelsea is going to go? Um, I think Chelsea will win. I think with home advantage, I will say um, credit to Brighton. You know, to be drawn in a group with Marseille, AK Athens, and Ajax, and to win in Amsterdam, to win in Athens, and to draw in Marseille. Well, that just puts some more seasoned European teams with much more experience to shame uh, because, you know, to achieve those results away from home and to give them an opportunity if they beat Marseille at home, which is entirely plausible, they will reach the last 16 of the Europa League. And in 1997, they're playing Hereford and 2023, they are unbeaten in Mar- in Marseille, in Athens, in Amsterdam. That really is uh, championship manager fantasy football stuff. It is brilliant, brilliant. Des, your thoughts on Chelsea and Brighton? Well, I want to talk about Ferguson just for a yeah, second because I write, I write the lad, he's a unit. Um, I'd, have him at Arsenal to- I'd have him at Arsenal tomorrow. Um, but I think the fluidity with, with, at Chelsea isn't there still. It doesn't seem they don't seem to flow. Yes, they've had a couple of wins, but they just don't seem to flow, and they're a bit hit and miss. And I, I genuinely think they could get beaten. Oh, yeah. I think Brighton, I think Brighton have got it in them to beat Chelsea. Um, not that I like to disagree with James, but I, I just Brighton are playing the better football for me, so it could be a close one, but two one. Okay, very good. Now, lads. Are Liverpool back? Are they really? Are they genuine challengers? Is it Liverpool, Man City, and Arsenal? Are they the three teams that are really going to decide the league? So the next fixture is Liverpool and Fulham. James. Uh, so answer your question. Yes, I think it's turning into a three-horse race, and Liverpool have brought well. They've uh, stood by Klopp, and um, I think he's done extremely well. Although I do have a question mark when the German national team job come up and he openly stated that he didn't want it, I find that a little bit strange because when your country comes calling, how on earth can you turn them down? But I think uh, a good result for Fulham last Monday, but I think Anfield is becoming a is becoming a fortress. I can see Liverpool winning a trophy this year yeah. and I think they'll be in the mix for... Um, for the title, possibly, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a massive football club. You know, people forget. You know, winning the European Cup, Champions League six times, having won um, nineteen league titles as well. You know, massive, massive football club, and uh, I think with home advantage, I think they'll put Fulham to the sword. Okay. Des, how do you think Liverpool and Fulham is going to work out? One question, Tim: Do yeah. do do Fulham have Rich Rich playing? No, I think, and I, or is he injured? At he's injured, and I think they're struggling for goals. Actually, to be honest, I think the the whole thing. Uh, yeah. if, if if he's injured, I mean, Willian's not going to step no. up. So uh, <laughs> Liverpool old, win that one. We used to call William when he was at Arsenal the uh, W man, yeah, didn't, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, so, I don't think Fulham ha- have even got a hope there. I think yeah. uh, Klopp has turned it round. He had a bit of a hiatus last year, but he's come back strong. So, yep, I yeah. can see them winning easily. Yeah, very good. Now, actually, Des, I'll start with you on this one. We'll just get this one briefed. Uh, West Ham, Crystal Palace. How do you think that'll go, Des? Uh, West Ham will win that 2-1. 2-1. Oh, very good. Uh, James, just to finish out the Premier League fixtures, uh, the, we'll obviously do the two high-profile ones at the end. So, West Ham and Crystal Palace? I believe that will be a typical London derby, and I believe it will be a 1-1 draw. <laughs> and Terry, just to finish it out, how do you think that'll go? Well, I've got a soft spot for West Ham. Uh, people from Ireland lis- listening in will, will wonder what the sort of vibe is between different clubs around London. And I think if you're Arsenal, you really don't mind. Uh, you don't particularly like Chelsea, but they're fine. Uh, and you certainly like West Ham. Uh, and the, the only club you're a little bit of question about is Spurs. Um, oh, listen, a quick one. Our listeners might be interested to hear. We, we have been looking for a Spurs uh, fan to come on on the show, you know, maybe in, a, in a, a, our next show next month or something. And I spent quite a while talking to every Spurs fan that I kind of bumped into and knew. And, and, I, and I'd be bigging up the, the Scarab Bay Community Radio and how it's, you know, you can get it podcast anywhere around the world. And I said, all we want you to do is talk about Spurs. And every single one of them straight away said, 
No. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't gained the faith. In, in they haven't got the <laughs> faith. They haven't got the faith currently, even in this Poster Coglu that some people are saying he's a very down-to-earth manager, but uh, the fans are losing faith in him already. Okay, lads. So I think we'll head to Europe. And, Des, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you your moment in the sun because I think you have a strong opinion on this one. Paris Saint-Germain versus Newcastle United. What did you think of that fixture? Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, oh, I've got a count of ten. Um, New- Newcastle were robbed, mate. Absolutely robbed. Um, I'm not saying that Paris Saint-Germain couldn't have scored. They had plenty of opportunities. But there's no way that was a penalty. How can it be a penalty when it came off his chest and hit him in the arm? Yeah. It, it's absolutely ludicrous. VAR, these referees have got egos, and this VAR is just a corrupt, yep. it's ruining the game. And as I've said on other shows that I do on YouTube, as you guys know, because we all do it together, we're talking more about the VAR than we're talking about the football, and it shouldn't be that way. It mm. definitely should not be that way. Um, it's ruining the great game, absolutely ruining it. Yeah. Um, Luke, and see what the, that's the difference maker. And I'll just say this quickly: that is the difference maker because because of that penalty, Newcastle might not make the top. Uh, might sorry, might not make the last sixteen. Yeah. And it's all because of a stupid decision. Yeah. Very good. For and you. that's where it's totally and utterly wrong. Absolutely, utterly wrong. No. Yeah. Very good. Thanks. To, now, James, I'm going to ask you because I think you were obviously there, Arsenal lens. So believe me, as in depth a discussion as you want to have, because I think you must have a lot of detail gathered up. Yeah, that's correct. I'll start with uh, Arsenal Lons, and then yeah. I will uh, say something about Palace Saint-Germain Newcastle, if I may. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Lons, Lons, Lons were unbeaten in eight, having uh, won against Marseille. I watched them away to Clermont last weekend where they won 3-0, full of endeavour. Uh, they've made such fantastic progression. And I thought Arsenal was just, uh, it was an amazing European performance. The crowd was really excited. And, um, you know, to have six different goal scorers and to be 5-0 up at, um, at home at half-time is just an amazing feat. And, you know, I've always been enchanted with European football ever since I was a child. And I've been extremely fortunate but in the 35 years that I've been watching Arsenal and going to games, that um, I would always prioritise European games. Right. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes working overtime in respective jobs to make sure I can get my ticket to go midweek. So uh, absolutely delighted and um, returned to Amsterdam the following day and um, really pleased Arsenal are through to the last 16. The dynamic is different this time with the second leg at home in the last 16. But, um, you know, We've had so much experience in the Champions League. We've never won it. People also need to understand that since the um, since this tournament was devised, there's only been 23 winners, and Arsenal are not one of them. And they've had an awful lot of experience. So I hope that we can learn from our mistakes. And you can't pick and choose who you play, but if you look at the um, teams that are currently second... It could well be an Italian team because it's entirely feasible that AC Milan, Napoli, Inter Milan and Lazio could all finish second. And and should uh, Manchester United or Newcastle um, qualify, you can't play someone from your own uh, association nor the team that was in your group. So it's looking like a an Italian job in the last 16 for Arsenal. But we'll know more on the 18th of um, of December when the draw is made. Regarding Paris Saint-Germain, um, Newcastle, I will say one thing, for all the fanfare, uh, people need to understand that um, Paris Saint-Germain were founded one year after Newcastle United won their last trophy, the Fairs Cup in 1969. Paris Saint-Germain were founded one year later in 1970. So they're a relatively young football club that's had a massive levels of investment and they, they really play on being the only team in Paris and, and people are, are quite romantic regarding Paris as a city, you know, city of light and city of lovers. Mm. So people are enchanted by that. But for me, Marseille remain the biggest club in France. And I just think that um, Paris Saint-Germain, it's just their era at the moment. But I think that um, I think Newcastle have done well in Europe. You know, there was when the draw was made, people were saying, oh, is it worth Newcastle turning up? And they've managed to get a draw in the San Siro, which isn't easy. They've managed to beat Paris Saint-Germain at, um, 
at St James's Park. And you also don't know how important that that point's going to be. You know, there's six match days in the in the Champions League. This is the last Champions League before it gets changed to a Super League and everything but name. You know, next year you'll have eight match days instead of six. You will have match days which run from September through to January. So if you are an English club and you've got the FA Cup third round and fourth rounds and a League Cup semi-final and a, a typical um, midweek round of games that they have in January, I don't know how you're going to fit it all in. But I, I really do think that the dynamics of the, of the Champions League will change. It's been augmented so many years in a row, but I think this is really the last one. So in terms of Arsenal, you know, this is... Uh, this is nearly midnight for us at the ball. And if we're going to ever win it, this has got to be the season and this has got to be the time. Very good. Thank you. Now, Terry, what did you think of the, well, particularly actually the, the, the two Manchester fixtures, Manchester City versus Leipzig and obviously Galatasaray and United in the Champions League matches? Yeah, I mean, I actually watched the, uh, the Arsenal match straight well, after uh, Galat- Galatasaray got a draw. And the barman in the place I was in was uh, had a Mancunian accent. This is here in Ireland. Yeah, very good. And uh, I said, uh, "What's the story there?" And he said, "Oh, I, I grew up with Irish parents in uh, Manchester, and I'm a big M- Manchester fan." I said, "Well, they've just blown it there then." And he said, oh, "I'm so sick about it. Don't even talk about it." So uh, I think Man United have had it. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I know Ten Hag, Ten Hag had a, had a good history at Ajax. I'd be interested to hear from sort of James about whether whether he's really a good manager or, or he just went to a, a club that could uh, that had good players coming through and uh, and bought well. But uh, normally, if you get a good manager into a club, which we had in Unai Emery, you leave them there for a while. They're not going to be pulling up trees straight away. And we were doing well under Unai. Uh, and uh, whether, I mean, I'm not a United fan, but I know a lot of the listeners in Ireland are, are and I, I would imagine they're tearing their hair out currently at, at the way Man United are going. Uh, City, um, they're a bit like a steamroller. They've, they've, they will have hiccups. They will occasionally lose matches. You, you don't expect them to or draw matches. But I, let's put it like this. Any team that comes above City in the league wins it. And um, in terms of the European Cup, they could go all the way. The European Cup, of course, is all about have, having a, a top quality defence, which if we bring it back back to Arsenal, I think we're fast approaching a very decent defence at Arsenal. OK, lads, I think we've given a good old shake to most of the Premier League fixtures and we've discussed the fixtures in Europe. But the reason, the two big, there's two gigantic matches this weekend. The first one is Man City and Spurs and the second is Newcastle and Man United. So Man City, Spurs, this is obviously a big fixture from Spurs' point of view. They've been slipping out of the top four, out, out even out of the title race. And obviously Man City are looking like they're just getting warmed up. Des, how do you think Man City and Spurs is going to go? Well, I want a draw. For Arsenal, I want a draw. But Man City, they're a machine, aren't they? Yeah. And if you knock them down, they just come back twice as hard the next week. So, uh, yeah, I think Tottenham's gonna, uh, Tottenham and their manager are going to get a bit of a shock. I think Man City are just too strong for them. Um, prediction? Three 0 Man City. Three 0 Man City. Wow. Oh, yeah. Now, before yeah. we move on, uh, James, I'm going to get you on this, but I do remember last year Man City kind of so they struggled around. Next thing, uh, Cancelo went off to Bayern. Supposedly internal problems. They rejigged. They put John Stones into midfield. In other words, Pep got a shot in the arm. He said, "I'm going to do this," and he went on a, a, a fabulous run. And do you feel now that the Leipzig fixture where they came from two 0 down? They obviously only drew with Liverpool last week in a dour competition. And obviously the Chelsea match was a brilliant match, one of the great Premier League fixtures. Do you think Man City could just be about to come right, James? I think so. I think with all the um, eulogising regarding Pep Guardiola, you know, uh, Guardiola was heavily influenced by Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff was heavily influenced by the great Ajax manager, Linus Michels. And Linus Michels was heavily influenced by Englishman Vic Buckingham, who managed Ajax. And um, so one perpetuates and, and takes the ideas of the other. So he's not, 
is not, in the words of Monty Python, he's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. But I, but I, but I, but I think that, um, you know, when he makes a subtle change, people lose their bananas. They're like, wow, he put a defender in the midfield. Well, he's not the first one to do it and he won't be the last, in my opinion. And also as well, if you're that good, you don't need the money anymore, do you? So why not go to Santander why not go to Saragossa or Gijón and bring them up to uh, maybe a European standard? And then you really leave a legacy where you change the whole dynamic and DNA of a football club. I'll give you an example. Before um, Simeone turned up at Atletico Madrid, they were looked upon as losers. Even people that had no interest in football would just proclaim they're just a bunch of losers because they never win anything. You know, they were known as their nickname as the mattress makers. And um, he's changed the whole ethos, Simeone, although I do think he's made a mistake by um, by by umming and ahhing regarding staying and extending his contract, but that's that's his prerogative. I think with home advantage against Manchester City, I think uh, Manchester City will win. I think Spurs as well. It's a big job, and Postecoglou as well. Uh, good experience, but it's a big, big job. You know, there are there are certain clubs, in my opinion, that. The, the managerial position, it's got to be coveted. And I, I, I will re- reiterate what I said um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's so many good managers out of work that it's not funny anymore. And I really get the impression that when clubs, when, when clubs are looking for managers, managers are no longer looking, prospective managers are no longer looking, is that a good fit for me? Would I be able to give something to that club? What could I do for them? I think some of them now, they're just, they're just going for the job just to stay in the game. And I think that's a very, very dangerous, slippery slope. You know, it's just, oh, a job's come up, I've got to take it, rather than uh, thinking about how, how they can improve the football club. Very good. And now, uh, just Terry, we have to get your thoughts on Man City versus Spurs, and maybe you might even have a Spurs slant if such thing is possible from an <laughs> Well, do you know what? Spurs keep sending me e- emails. I've no idea why. <laughs> how, how they got my, my email address, I don't know. And they've, they've been offering me a half-season ticket. So they're, they're obviously having trouble um, fill it, filling up the um, stadium. Um, I did see, actually, a quote many years ago. Now, of course, you can read anything in the newspapers these days, you know, um, a, a bit like Boris Johnson. He's, he's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. <laughs> and I did read a quote attributed to, to Guardiola many moons ago where he said that if, uh, <clears throat> if the two teams are equal in terms of skill and physique and all the other attributes that, that, that go to make a good team then uh, the only way to, to improve them is to spend money and buy better players. So um, I would love it. If he really is as good as he purports to be, I would concur with James, go to a lower club. Go to a lower club in either the English League or anywhere in Europe and bring them up from where they are with their budget. Then you could talk here. He'd be up in the pantheon of, of great managers. Yeah, very good, very good. Now, lads, uh, just before we go on to the final fixture of the day and before we get talk to our Northeaster correspondent, Stez, I'd just like to let you know you're listening to From Fever Pitch to Hurler on the Ditch on Scarif Bay Community Radio. So, Des, we're handing over to you now. How, what's the excitement levels like in Newcastle? Are they getting really ready for this match tomorrow evening? Oh, they'll they'll be out tonight. They'll be they'll be drinking it up and they'll they'll be talking. Of, they talk football like. Breakfast, dinner, and tea. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you could have you could have uh, eleven sheep on the pitch at Newcastle, and fifty thousand people would turn up to watch. That's how passionate they are about their football up here. So yeah, they'll be ready. They'll be ready, no problem. And doesn't care that it's minus degrees, and a load of them will have their shirts off <laughs> <laughs> down the old Gallagher, down the Gallagher end. Yeah, they don't care. They 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 just love their football. And yet they'll be ready for this weekend, no problem whatsoever. And uh, it, honestly, I've I've been to St James's Park numerous times, and do you know what it is, lads? You know when you walk into a stadium, and it doesn't matter whether it's your, it doesn't matter whether it's Arsenal, it doesn't matter Man United. You know when that energy just hits you, and you just want to be there. St James's is one of those grounds where that happens to you. It takes your breath away. 
Um, listen, it really does. can I ask you, Des, is it easy nowadays to actually get tickets at Newcastle or is it all sold out? No, it, no, it's not It's not at all. They sell out pretty quick. Because yeah. uh, I tried to, well, as you know, I'm actually an Arsenal fan, but I live in Newcastle, but I follow Newcastle as well. And I tried to get tickets for the match uh, Newcastle-Arsenal last season and I was trying for weeks and weeks and weeks and... When I finally got through, the lady said that nah, they're all sold out. Oh. And I've actually got a disability, so I've got a special code to get tickets. Yeah. And she went, no, we haven't got any of them left either. So you've got to be, you've got to be right on the ball to get tickets to come and watch, to come and watch Newcastle at the moment. So, James, how do you think... Sorry, Des, I'll come back. Actually, actually Des, I never got a scoreline from you. How do you think Newcastle and Man United are going to work out scoreways? Oh, so, so, sorry, mate, sorry. Uh, scoreline... It'll be a good game. It will be a good game, but I just think Newcastle were too strong. I'm going to go because Onana's got wrists like crackers. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to say two one Newcastle, but it could be more. Yeah. It could be more. Thanks, James. Thanks, Des. Now, James, how do you think Newcastle and Man United is going to work out? Um, I actually think Manchester United are going to win 3-1. Uh, to follow on from the point of uh, what um, Taylor was saying quickly about Manchester City and, and about Guardiola and about money, uh, there's a famous quote that came to mind regarding Johan Cruyff where he said that uh, I've never seen a bag of money score a goal. So that just goes that just goes to show, doesn't it? And, um, and to follow on from um, what Terry was inquiring about Ellington Haag, um, I will repeat what I've been saying for years where his best work was go-ahead Eagles. Uh, not Ajax, not Utrecht. Uh, go-ahead Eagles were financially hamstrung and staring into the abyss. And this is a country in benevolence where if your accounts do not add up and you hand your books into the FA, you can receive sanctions which range from uh, fines, points deductions to your prof- to your professional licence being revoked. And not only did Ten Hag uh, arrange a team that eventually won the league and got them promoted for the first time in 17 years, but he also laid the foundations for them to stay in the Eredivisie long term. Uh, played good football with uh, Utrecht and that attracted the attention of Ajax. You know, with the likes of Matthijs de Ligt and Frenkie de Jong, who are once-in-a-generation footballers, you know, being the spine of that team, if you like, that, that really, really helps. And I think one thing that also needs to be said is the dynamics of changing, not just from one country to another. And you have to remember, he's not from Amsterdam. He's not from Rotterdam nor Eindhoven. He's from the East. And, um, you know, it's not maybe as fine-tuned internationally as someone might be from one of the big cities here. Mm. And um, also his salary, you know, his salary at Ajax was, I believe, €800,000 a year. And then you go from €800,000 to £11.2 million. That would make anyone go bananas. (laughs) So I think these are things that also need to be taken into consideration. Uh, and, And one thing that I really think that he will regret is Manchester United, the the support pillars of Manchester United are youth. The club, the foundation of the club is built on youth. Mm -hmm. And then one of the first things he did was to let James Gardner go. And, you know, he's playing really well at Everton. And James James Gardner is good enough to play for Man United. So you let your first, your best youth prospect go. And that's not a great start for 10, is it? And yes, he won a trophy last season, but um, it's a a quite difficult Champions League group. You know, it's not easy to go to Istanbul. It's not easy to go to Copenhagen or Bayern Munich, who I actually think will win the Champions League. But I think uh, with Newcastle, I think Europe takes a lot out of them energy-wise. The same with Brighton. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that Manchester United will win and I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. Thanks, uh, James. Just a quick question, James. Do you think the the job is too too big for for Ten Hag? Oh, that's, no, that's a great question, Terry. I'm I'm not sure. Um, I think it's more the, the the surprise because of the media, the media attention, the Premier League. It's you know, 24 hours a day, non-stop stories. You know, whereas in the Netherlands, it's more about the football. Yeah. And I think that's what took him by surprise. You know, yes, he's he's got factually the biggest job in English football but um, it's going to be a test in time I think if he gets knocked out of Europe completely 
and they tail off in the league, I think that could well be it. But then the question is, where do Manchester United go from there? I mean, this this takeover has been protracted for a long, long time. And I'm not a businessman, but English football needs a healthy Man United. Yes. The same way Dutch football needs a healthy Ajax. The same way Spanish football needs a, a healthy Real Madrid. You know, it's not a certain romanticism. But Ajax were, a couple of weeks ago, bottom of the league, which was even attracted interest from people who had no interest in football. And you could see a kind of cloud hanging over the city where people in the supermarket that had no relation to football were like, Ajax are bottom, we're bottom. You know, there used to be a Blauwitz, which blue and white, who were an Amsterdam team that... that um, was receded many many years ago. So, Ajax are only the only city in the uh, the only club in the city. And as a wise Amsterdammer once said to me, Ajax is Amsterdam, and Amsterdam is Ajax. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show how it transcends the city. But um, yeah, I think Ten Hag's got a lot of um, difficult decisions to make. And um, I think the situation regarding Jadon Sancho as well. This is also a point that needs to be made. Um, we've got a generation of footballers that can't take criticism. And rather than take the criticism and come back stronger, it's now my manager's got to get sacked. Oh, yes. Well, these manage- these players wouldn't have survived in the 70s, 80s and 90s then. You know, I know society changes, but it, it can't be yes. that players now, when they are dropped, that they automatically throw their choice out of the pram and want their manager to be sacked. And I think it creates quite weak-minded footballers yeah. as well. And um, the fact remains, having spoken to more than 400 professional players and managers, if a manager explains to a player why he's not picking him, 99.9% of the players will accept that decision and go forward. Yes. But it's just a, a very strange time in professional yeah. football in that respect. James, that's brilliant. Thanks, brilliant, James, for all that. And uh, thank you, Des, in Newcastle. That was brilliant, giving an insight into the, the the feeling and the vibe around the city as they prepare for this big match. So, look, you've been listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and uh, our show tonight from Fever Pitch to Horror on the Ditch. I uh, just said, like to everyone that's listening, enjoy the fixtures, and we'll talk to you again next month. And maybe Terry will uh, finish with just a little. Uh, ensemble. Oh yeah, we were talking about the sad uh, death there of Shane McGowan who uh, like like myself has, has a foot in both camps Irish and sort of London uh, and I worked I didn't really work the Irish punk music scene because there wasn't there wasn't money in it but uh, I would have worked very nearby to the Bullingate where he he worked so oh well look let's just as a, as a band come in let's let's see what what they're gonna do yeah okay lads we'll talk to you thank you James thank you Des Thanks, lads. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Cheers. Wonderful, boys. Thanks.